You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Opportunity you give us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're continuing our series on prayer called Raise Your Expectations. And we've looked at prayer as a way of growing in our love relationship with God. Before it's about getting anything from God, it is about learning to love God with all of our heart and mind and soul and strength. And then last week, we looked specifically at the book of Acts and all the different miracles and major turning points in the expansion of the early church and how so many of those miracles and major turning points happen at specific times of prayer following the pattern of the Jewish people and of the early church as well. And we're encouraged to be regular in our prayers, to pray daily. And some of us might even be challenged to pray two or three times a day and expect God to to do something even in those ordinary times. We're believing that the ordinary will lead to extraordinary breakthroughs from time to time. But we need the foundation of just an ordinary prayer life. And we need not diminish the value of such ordinary prayer lives. But we want to go beyond that because, you know, it would be easy to treat prayer as just some kind of routine that we go through and, you know, all about my love life with God and it's just me and God, me and God. And it it would be really way too easy to fall into some kind of routine approach to prayer that has a low level of expectation. And we don't want to get into a rut. I don't believe that regular prayer, if you make it a regular part of your life, I do not believe that it will be restrictive. I do not believe that it will hold you back. But I also know that it could become a routine if we let it. But you don't have to let it. We need to raise our expectations. We need to believe that prayer will help us to grow. We need to believe in the benefits of regular prayer. But we also need to believe that God is a God who hears and answers prayer. And prayer will have an impact. Prayer will make a difference. We're not just going through this just to be religious. Now the passage that we're looking at is a passage where, first of all, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He sees a fig tree. He wants some fruit from it. When he goes to investigate, there is no fruit on it. And Jesus cursed the fig tree. He said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Then he went to Jerusalem, went to the temple. And that's where he cleansed the temple. He overturned the tables and drove out the money changers and the sellers there. They had turned the temple of the Lord, from a place to pray and to be a place of prayer for all nations into a marketplace. And what Jesus was saying by both the actions against the fig tree and the actions against the temple is that you are not bearing fruit. God expects fruit. Jesus expects fruit. And then the next day, Jesus and his disciples are walking by the fig tree again, and Jesus uses the opportunity to teach 
about faith. It's not disconnected from God's plan for his people to be fruitful. But we need to understand that these principles of faith are principles that we need to operate by if we're going to engage in the kind of prayer that bears fruit, that makes a difference, that has an impact in the way that God wants it to have an impact. So Mark 11, beginning with verse 20, it says, In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and you will receive it. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Number one, Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith faith in God. He's not talking about having self-confidence here. He's not talking about having faith in yourself. He's not talking about having faith in your devotional life. He's not talking about having faith in your prayer life. He's not talking about having faith in faith or having faith in prayer. He's talking about having faith in God. Having faith in God is foundational. We should have faith that prayer works. We should have faith that we're going to receive. But the foundation for that is not faith in what prayer can do and not faith in what we can pray and bring about. It is faith in God. It is all about our connection to God. It is all about our relationship with God. Prayer is a matter of faith in God first and foremost. That's why it's about loving God. That's why it's about talking to God. And that's also a matter of faith that God is going to do something. God is going to do something. We're having faith in God that God is still actively engaged with his creation, that he's not a distant God, but we have faith in God. We, we often say we're a church that, ha, that believes in the power of prayer, and we are, and that's appropriate. But behind the belief in the power of prayer is our faith in God. It is all about God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, it, 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 in, in, th that makes it more than just a matter of, you know, getting in my one time a day prayer, or two or three time a day prayer. It's a matter of expecting God to do something. It's a matter of expecting God. To be active because we invite him to become active through our prayers. And that's in keeping with God's plan. How do I know it's in keeping with God's plan? Because Jesus says he wants to work through us. How does he say that? He says, if anyone says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. If anyone says, if anyone says to this. See, God wants us to act on our faith. God wants us to speak out on our faith. We must be engaged. Prayer is not just quiet time. Prayer is not just passive time. Prayer, yeah, it ought to be a time of listening to God. We need not just be talking all the time to God. We need time to listen to God, and that's very, very important. But God is inviting us to be engaged. God wants to work through people. God's original plan for humanity was that we would be stewards of what he created. And he has invited us to exercise authority, dominion over the earth. How do we do that? 
It's not just by our work and by moving soil around. It is by our prayer. We must be engaged. So we need to speak to some mountains. We need to put our faith into action. God wants to work through people. And guess what? He wants to work through you. It's not just, you know, the big man on stage, if there were such a person around here. It's not just, yeah, I'm a little too big in the wrong ways, but, you know, uh, it's not about certain people in certain positions with certain status levels in the body of Christ. God wants to work through your prayers. He wants you to be engaged and speak to some mountains, some mountains that stand in the way of God's will in your life, or maybe some mountains that stand in the way of God's will in somebody else's life, maybe some mountains of doubt that are keeping God from loosing his power and his goodness in the way that he wants to. God wants you to be engaged. I think about James talking about the power of prayer. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. And then he uses the example of Elijah who prayed and the rain stopped. And he says about Elijah, he was a man just like us. Just like us. He prayed and the rain stopped. And then when it's time for the rain to start again, God didn't just say rain from the heavens. He inspired Elijah to pray again. Rain begin. And it rained. God is looking for somebody who can do that. God is looking for somebody who will say, you know, dry bones live. God's looking for somebody who will speak his word. You know, speaking to something, speaking as a matter of prayer, declaring mountain move is pretty bold, isn't it? It'll stretch our faith just a little bit. And let's acknowledge that there are more ways to pray than just decreeing something. We have petitions, supplications. We have intercessions. We have requests that we make to the Lord. And, you know, sometimes Paul uses a list of terms to refer to the kinds of prayers that we can offer up to the Lord. And we should pray in all kinds of ways. And sometimes, you know, we don't have the boldness for a decree to declare to the mountain, move and be cast into the sea. Sometimes we're just, God, please do this. And you know what? That is okay. That's okay. But last week, we saw what? We saw Peter say to the man who was lying at the gate, crippled, begging where he had laid for years, uh, what did Peter say to him? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. (laughs) He's like, oh God, please heal. No, he said, get up and walk. And we need to do that from time to time. We can't always decree like that. But can I just say this? If we're never speaking to a mountain, if we're never just boldly saying, you know, mountain move, whatever that mountain might be, then I would suggest that we get a little bit bolder about learning and engaging with and enacting the will of God. And the will of God is not something that is a total mystery that, you know, you can never figure out. You know, I love Philippians 2, 13, where it says, after having said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, Paul says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. He's going to work in you. When you are submitted to the Lord, God is going to work in you to have the desires that he 
desires. And when, when you get to that spot, you will feel a lot bolder in decreeing and declaring to the mountain, move, move. Did you know the Lord's Prayer encourages us to pray this kind of declaratory prayer? Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God. The emphatic way the Greek syntax works out there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a speaking to the mountain kind of proposition. God wants us to speak to the mountain. God wants us to be bold in that kind of prayer. But Jesus also said that you say to the mountain and that that person should not doubt in their heart. Do not doubt in your heart. I love to say that God can handle our doubts, and he can. I love that about God. He can handle our doubts. I love the story where, you know, Jesus says to the man who had come to the disciples with his son who needed deliverance, everything is possible to him who believes. And the man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You can find that in Mark chapter 9. I love that Jesus then, you know, even though he expressed that unbelief, Lord, help my, help my unbelief that Jesus went ahead and healed his son. I love that we don't have to fake our faith. We don't have to hide our hang-ups from the Lord as if we could. But neither, let me warn you this, neither should we settle into our doubts. I mean, they, they come. You know, Martin Luther talked about temptations. They come, you know, and you know, they'll, they'll peck at you, but you don't have to let them build a nest in your hair, you know? And the same thing with our doubts. Those doubts will come to our minds. But Jesus says, do not doubt in your heart. We have to make sure that we don't let those doubts that are going, they're going to pass through your mind. They will. We're, you know, just fallen human beings. We have our weaknesses. And doubts are going to come. Circumstances, the lies of the devil, experiences of our past. We're going to doubt from time to time. But we don't want to let the doubts settle in our hearts. That's not the way of life that God wants for you. Because, you know, you might let doubt get comfortable in your heart, but you won't be comfortable. You won't be comfortable with doubt. In James chapter 1, it talks about a person who asked God for wisdom. You better not doubt. Why? Because the one who doubts, James says, is like one who is tossed about by the winds. It's like a wave of the sea tossed about by the wind. And he said, that person is double-minded, unstable in all his ways, and will not receive from the Lord. Let me tell you, doubt, doubt is real, but it's not the way of life that God has for us. Does that make sense? Is that clear that, you know, we have doubt, we don't have to cover it up, but we don't want to become comfortable with it. <laughs> In other words, doubt your doubts, as I've heard somebody say before. Doubt your doubts. Recognize that it's not something you want to take hold in your heart. Don't let circumstances lock you into doubt. We let circumstances and experiences do that. You know, in my first pastorate, I, I was in southwest Oklahoma, a lot of farm territory, and uh, it was a hot dry summer that threatened the crops and I was hanging out with a group of farmers and 
One Christian farmer said, you know, we really need to pray for rain. And another farmer said, ain't no use praying for rain. Ain't a cloud in the sky. <laughs> That's for real. Doubt, I would say doubt kind of got into his heart because he couldn't really conceive of the fact that God could make it. God could send the clouds that would make it rain. Amen? Amen. So we all have doubts, but let's not settle in that. Jesus also said that we are to have faith or believe that what we say will happen will happen. In other words, it's not just faith in God that's foundational. But we move from that foundation to faith for what we're speaking. Amen? Amen. What, what does Jesus say? Verse 23, believe that what you say will happen, and it'll happen. Verse 24, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. That's faith for. We're believing for something. You know, sometimes we're so dismissive of faith. And we're so afraid of falling into word of faith. We're afraid of falling into some formula. And folks, let me just tell you, we cannot manipulate God. God will not be, be manipulated by a formula. But we need to believe what the word says. We need to trust what the Bible says. And we need to believe that prayer changes things. You know, I, I, I love those religious words that we sometimes share to excuse ourselves in our doubt and unbelief or in our lack of experience of answered prayer. And we say things, and we believe these things, and they sound so good when somebody says, prayer doesn't change things, but it will change you. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, isn't that what really matters, that I be changed? Not necessarily. We all need to be changed. We need to let prayer change us. But we need to understand that sometimes God wants a mountain moved. God wants something to happen on earth, and he's waiting for someone to pray it. We need to believe that we're going to have it. Raise your expectations. Expect change. Why do we hesitate to believe? A lot of times because we're dis disillusioned. We're discouraged. You know, we pray, and it didn't work. But Jesus told us a parable, the parable of the persistent widow, and he said we ought to always pray and not give up. There's nothing in Scripture that says, well, if you're really a person of faith, you'll pray once and then you'll forget about it. No, we need to keep on praying because there is resistance to answered prayer. Just ask Daniel. There's resistance to God's answers coming from heaven to us. There is a spiritual realm. There are spiritual battles going on. And we need to believe that. We need to understand that. And sometimes we pray and the answer doesn't come and we give up, and perhaps, as Daniel needed to do, we should keep on praying, keep on fasting, keep on seeking, and not give up. Pray and do not give up. Well, what if I prayed many times for people to be healed, and they never got healed? John Wimber, he said this, I would rather pray for a thousand people, even if only one gets healed, than not to pray for any, and none get healed. Amen? He tells the story. You know, he discovered this principle in prayer and in the Word, not from experience, because he was going to a church where they were teaching, well, that's what they did in Bible days, but, you know, we don't 
you know, pray for the sick and that kind of thing today? Well, he decided the Bible said, yes, we should. And he started teaching that and making himself available to pray for the sick. And he he prayed for people. He prayed for this person and that person. I don't know how many dozens of people he prayed for. Nobody got healed. Went to some uh, church member's house one time and, you know, had another elder or leader with them, and they prayed for the lady to be healed, and he started into an explanation of why God doesn't always heal, and the lady interrupted his explanation by saying, I'm healed! (laughs) And and that gave him faith to keep on praying, and we need to have that kind of faith, that that we're just going to keep on praying, and then when the healings happen, we'll have more faith, but until it happens, keep on praying. Amen? Amen? Amen. Another reason that, we're, that sometimes we're hesitant to speak to a mountain is because we don't believe God's going to really do it. Or we don't expect God to answer prayer because we don't really believe God wants to do it for us. And sometimes that's just bad theology. And you might say, well, you don't have any thought. Everybody's got a theology. You are all theologians to one degree or another because you have a way of thinking about God. And a lot of times what we think about God is not very good. We think God's holding out on us, the original lie of the devil to Adam and Eve. And, and we think God doesn't want to do good things. Here's, uh, you know, a tip of the hat to Father's Day. Jesus said that if you who are evil, speaking to fathers, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to you? Amen. The greatest gift being the Holy Spirit. But he, he speaks in one of the Gospels about just good things for you. We need to believe that God is that kind of father. Amen. He wants to do good things for us. And and let's just be honest. Sometimes we know our own hearts and we know that we can be a little bit selfish, right? But if we're the kind of people who put God first, we live to glorify God. We desire to bear fruit. We don't want to be a fruitless fig tree. We don't want to be a fruitless temple. We desire to bear fruit for the glory of God. We walk in grace and forgiveness, which is in the context there in Mark chapter 11, the next verse after the one that we stopped reading at, but it's part of the context. If we're living for the glory of God and in love for God, desire for God to be exalted and lifted up, and we're living in peace with our fellow human beings to the best that we possibly can, we're walking in love and grace, God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to answer your prayers. God is shaping you. He's molding you. He is causing you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. You are getting to know God's will. And that's when 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and verse 15 begin to kick in. And John says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. This is boldness. This is the confidence, the boldness we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. That's why we need to get to know God's will. And then what happens if we know that he hears us? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Believe that you have received it and you will receive it. It will be yours, right? Mark 11, 24. John's saying the same thing. The disciples of Jesus understood This is how God works. This is how God answers prayer. I I know that we don't always get the answer how and when we want it. You read the faith chapter and the letter to the Hebrews, and you see that some 
receive miracles in this lifetime, but many had to wait until the life to come to receive the miracle they were praying for. That happens. And we don't always know why a miracle happens in one case, but not in another. And, and I can just tell you, as a pastor, I, I want you to know that. I want you to be a person of faith even when you don't have the miracle. I want you to be a person of faith in God even when it seems like what you've asked for has delayed and will never happen. Because, let's be honest, sometimes it's not going to happen in this lifetime. That's the biblical message. But we're still people of faith. We still walk in faith. And we need to believe that, you know, maybe it's like John Wimber said, we pray for a thousand people and one gets healed. But we're going to pray and believe. That's our job. Our job is to speak to the mountain, to exercise faith, to believe that what will glorify God is going to get done, and we're a candidate for God to do that work through us. Amen? Amen. Believe for it. I, you know, I, I heard a famous pastor. He, he was preaching on healing. I thought, I'm going to learn some encouraging stuff about healing. And there's a church that believes in healing, but he's also a really compassionate kind of pastor. And, and so most of the sermon was dealing with, you know, how to respond when God doesn't heal. And by the time the sermon was over, it's like, yeah, we believe in healing, but don't really expect it. I, I had less faith for healing before I listened to the sermon. I, I don't want you to be people, people of less faith in the power of God. I want us to understand the spiritual realities and the dynamics that sometimes keep us from experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of God. It's still coming. That's why we still pray every day. Come, kingdom of God. Be done, will of God, on earth. But we keep on praying it. We keep on believing it. And we keep on believing that somebody's going to be healed. Amen? Somebody's going to be healed. You know, I, I, I love praying for migraines. I don't know why, but since, you know, 20-something years ago, I've prayed for dozens of people with migraines, and they've been healed. Dozens. Probably 90% of the time when I pray. And do you, know, do you know how I pray for that? I just command it to go. I don't always pray that way for every sickness and disease. Maybe I should. But I just command it to go. Somebody came Sunday afternoon last week to receive prayer for migraines. And we prayed, and it went away partially. On Tuesday, I messaged, and, you know, you still got migraines? Uh, yeah, well, to be honest, Pastor, thanks for caring, but they're coming and going. Oh, man, a little disappointing. But then I get a text today. The migraines are gone. You are, they are gone. They are gone. Amen? And last semester in a life group, I had a young man in my life group that I'd never been in a life group with before, and, you know, we were sharing testimonies around our table, and he said, well, you know, one time Pastor Red shared about the anointing for healing migraines, and he said, I just claimed that for myself, and I was immediately healed of migraines, and I've never had one since then. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to believe that God's going to do it. It's not always going to work, but God, God wants it to. Here's a story that 
encourages me in my faith, and I've shared it quite a few times. It happened a long time ago, but I still love it. We had a church member who had a tumor that was to be removed surgically, and I determined I was going to go to the hospital before the surgery and pray, and, you know, usually pray those kind of nice, loving, safe pastoral prayers. Oh, God, just, you know, work through the medicine, because we believe in that. Nothing wrong with that. But about four in the morning, that morning, I woke up and I heard this sentence that I know was from God. And this, this word, the sentence was, do not pray for me to move the hand of the doctor. Ask for a miracle. I overslept. I went back to sleep. I overslept. I barely made it to the hospital in time. They were wheeling her out of whatever preparation room to the OR, and I was like, ah, can I pray before you take her back? The nurse said, you better make it quick. And, you know, I thought of that verse where Jesus said, it's not by our many words that we're heard. Probably if I had 10 minutes, I would have messed it up. So I, I just put my hand, you know, on her shoulder and said, God, I'm not asking you to move the hand of the doctor. I'm asking for a miracle in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all I prayed. Sat and waited with the family. About an hour later, doctor came out and said, surgery's canceled. Hey, hey. We couldn't find the tumor. <laughs> Why do I say that? We don't always have to have a word from the Lord like that, but neither do we have to have fancy prayers either. Man, just ask God for mere, ask God to do something. What is the miracle that you need God to do for you? Because I believe God wants to bless you to make you a blessing. What is the miracle that you want God to do for a family member or for a co-worker? Let's believe for that. Let's trust God that he's going to do miracles. And prayer is a key. And the more we pray and grow in our love for the Lord, the more we're going to know his will. The more that we spend time regularly with him and with the word, the more we're going to know his will. And the more we know his will, the more confident we'll be that we're praying in accordance with his will. And if we pray in accordance with his will, 1 John, we know that we're heard. And we know that if we're heard, we have what we ask. Hallelujah. Would you be that kind of person through whom God can move a mountain or two? Either in your life or somebody else's life? Let's trust for that. Folks, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. This is about relationship with God. This is not a formula by which we can manipulate the forces of the spiritual realm and get our will done. This is about doing God's will. And God is good and he's wonderful. And the greatest goodness that he has demonstrated to us that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have relationship with him. Would you pray to receive Christ? If you're in this room or you're watching online, would you pray to receive Jesus? He wants a relationship with you, and it's a whole new level of living where you can talk to God, and he'll respond to you. He'll show you his love, his plan for your life, and he'll even show you how you can work and move in keeping with his principles and make a difference in this world like you never could do apart from God. Would you say yes to Jesus? Just say yes to the free gift of salvation. I want to ask everybody here to pray this. If you've never prayed to receive Christ, pray it from your heart. Or if you at one time prayed to receive Christ but wandered from him, come back to him right now. Pray this from your heart. If you're online, 
Pray this from your heart. You'll never be the same. Say these words. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I believe Jesus died. He was raised from the dead. And he is Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. Help me live for you. Thank you for receiving me as a member of your family. I'm yours, God. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Clap for everybody who prayed to receive the Lord here and online. If you made that decision, welcome to the family of God. If you're here with us, make sure you stick around. I'll be in the welcome room. Say hello. Let me know that you prayed that prayer. Give me a chance to pray for you. would really be a privilege for me to be able to pray with you right now, right after this service. So thank you so much. Stay with us. We have somebody who's going to come and share with you some very important next steps. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.